Welcome to Calvary Revival Church Podcast, where we exist to know God, live generously, discover purpose, and make a difference. Wherever you are listening from, our desire is for this practical teaching to make a difference in your personal life and in the lives of the people and community around you. And now, let's prepare ourselves for an uplifting experience. I'm Courtney McBath, and we are excited about what God is doing in our church. Amen. While you're standing, here's my question for you. Is the Lord really worthy of all this praise that we give him? I mean, don't, don't show out now. I just, I'm just asking the question because um, I would love to see us, and I want to see how you all feel about this. I would love to see us step up our worship I mean, I want to run around this building. There's so much of a praise in me because for me and for some of you, something is shifting. Something is different. Something is changing. God's about to keep his word in my life. So there are two or three things that can keep you from worshiping. Number one is where's your public or your private worship at? Because your public worship flows out of your private worship. So if your private worship is suspect, then your public worship will be somewhat suspect. And then there's the issue of my preferences. I just don't really like that song. That's your preference, and nobody really cares. Or your posture. It can be your private worship, it can be your preferences, it can be your posture. What do you mean posture, pastor? Well, today I just don't really feel it. It's my posture. My toe hurts. I just took two Tylenol. I mean, y'all gonna play that loud music. My head already hurt. But here's my question for you. Does my posture, my preference, or even my failure in my private worship, are those things more important than God's worthiness? Is he still worthy of worship no matter what I feel, no matter what I think, no matter where I am, is God still? Does mine not having a good day, is that a good excuse for not worshiping? Because last time I checked, he's still good no matter what. I don't know about you, but when I'm not good, he's still good. He's worthy of my worship. And can we let the Lord hear what he should expect in this year? Come on, somebody stretch those hands out. Give God worship. Come on, open your mouth. Come on, give him glory. Give him worship. God, we bless you. I give you glory. I give you worship for you're worthy. Come on, let the tears fall and Let a smile replace the frown. Let laughter fill your voice. Let honoring God replace criticism and worry and anxiety. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 160 years ago, When slaves sat Freedom's Eve, waiting for the next day, when the Emancipation Proclamation would actually go into effect, 160 years ago today, it went into effect. When they sat on Freedom's Eve, I want to know, did they wait till they were free before they worshipped? Did being free make them worship, or did worship bring them into freedom? trying to wait till I get it to praise him. I'm going to praise him till I get it. Today is freedom day. The motives of men and women 
don't have to be pure in order for God to use them to bless you. Lincoln didn't free the slaves because he loved them. He freed them, at least originally the Emancipation Proclamation, because it didn't cover all slaves. It only covered 2.5 million. Half a million were still enslaved. If you were in Kentucky or Delaware or Missouri or Maryland, you stayed in slavery uh, because originally the, the Emancipation Proclamation was originally written uh, so that it would weaken the economy of the South. Because what happens when all your free labor walks out? So it not only weakened the economy of the South, but it also built up the Union Army. Because once slaves were freed in the South, then they then were they could come right into the Union Army. So in one fell swoop, uh, because Lincoln's primary goal was to keep the Union to, from splitting up. So in one fell swoop, he not only weakened the South's economy, but he built up the North's army with one decision. It really had nothing to do with love for slaves. It had everything to do with love for trying to keep uh, uh, this union, this fragile union together. But the truth is, his motives didn't change their freedom. They were still free whether he loved them or not. They were still free. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. That the devil don't have to change and folk don't have to change in order for God to bless you. He'll bless you in spite of everything that's going on around you. I don't know about you, but I don't need everybody to like me. I just want the will of God to be done in my life. And so, well, y'all sit down. Y'all sit down. But in my devotions this morning, I think I was, it was Second uh, Timothy, because I'm in 2 Timothy now, chapter 2, around verse 9. Paul says, I'm chained like a criminal. I'm in chains like a criminal. Then he says these words, and this set me on fire. He said, but the word of God cannot be chained. Can I tell you that even if you feel like you're still a little oppressed, if you still feel a little chained by the enemy, can I tell you that the word of God cannot be chained? It cannot be locked down. So if you will take your confidence out of yourself and place your confidence in the living God, but Paul writes to the Philippians and says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and place no confidence in our flesh. And so if I take my confidence out of my own ability, am I talking to anybody in the building, and put my confidence in the word of God that cannot be chained, then what God plans for me, God will surely bring it to pass. Now, Here's what it's going to take for me, and here's January 1st. This is Freedom Day, first message of this year. Focus on the future. I need you to look at your neighbor and say, focus on the future. When slaves sat 160 years ago on Freedom's Eve, what we must understand is that freedom was not their comfort zone. Freedom was not somewhere they had ever been before. Does that make sense to you? And so, how many of you want a freedom that's beyond anything you've ever seen before? So, therefore, you're going to need a guide. That's why we're reading this book, The Master is Calling. Because one of the things I'll help you see today by the help of the Holy Spirit is that until the voice of the Lord, the direction of God becomes prevalent and priority in your life, you're not going to walk in what God has for you. And you can come up with all little catchy phrases you want to about 2023. The Lord going to bless me in 2023. I'm going to get my liberty in 2023. Lord, we's going to be free in 2023. But I'm here to prophesy to you that 2023 will be just like 2022 if you don't change what you're doing. Because the height of insanity is to think that I can continue to do the same things and get different results. And so there will take, this is going to take a turn. Look at your name and say, you're going to have to turn. There'll have to be a turning in your life that starts here. In your think, for as a man or woman thinks in his heart, so is she, so is he. So there have to be a turning in your thinking in order for this year to be different than it's been in the past. Because you had catchy phrases for last year too. 
and it didn't come to pass because the phrase is not what makes it happen. What makes it happen is the change that takes place in your thinking. Are you hearing me? Which is one of the reasons why this upcoming prayer and fasting time that starts not this Monday, but next Monday, that prayer and fasting time is necessary because oftentimes God has to do some things in us so that what he wants to do for us can come to pass. I'll say that again. God's got to do some things in us first so that what he wants to do for us can come to pass. I need you to tap two or three people and tell them, I got some weight I need to lose. Janelle said, don't be looking at me. <laughs> I got some internal baggage I need to drop. Amen. I, I got some stuff that needs to be cleaned up. Uh, matter of fact, I've got some bondages from 2022 that I refuse to take in to 2023. I, I knew somebody would praise him when I said it because I want to praise him too. I, I, I'm not going to take, because remember what I told you before, uh, um, and I try not to say this too often at home because Pastor Jay will hear it. I usually said other churches and ask them not to tell it. But oftentimes when we get ready to take a flight and we bring our bags, her bags are usually the heaviest ones because she needs several pairs of black shoes. I can take one pair of black sneakers and wear them to everything. That's why I didn't marry me. So, so sometimes when we get to the counter, remember it don't happen too much anymore because she done got she done got hip to how they operate. But then we'd have it be oversized. And back in the day, they charge you. I ain't have money to pay for the bags. I sure can't pay no extra. So a couple times we pulled her bag off and took stuff out of hers, put it in a brother's bag because I'm underweight. So I got, so I moved her stuff into my bag, then dropped that bad boy back on, and I'll be bowling wet now. Bam. Mm-hmm. 42 pounds, ain't it? So, so, because here's what they told us. They said, you can't take this trip with that baggage. Every now and then, God's about to take you somewhere, but the baggage you've been carrying ain't going on this trip. One time we went somewhere, and thank God it don't happen one time, that the plane was so small, they say you cannot have two carry-on bags. You can only have one. But we were so desperate to go on this trip, we figured out a way to turn. We was, we was like the Lord. We was going to turn two into one. Because here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to let too much baggage make us miss our destination. Can I talk for just a few minutes today? See, so, so I need you to tap your neighbor and say, I got to drop some stuff. Tap him and say, I hope it ain't you. I, I got to drop some stuff. And, I, and my prayer is it's not going to be, you're not going to be what I got to drop. Now, I want to read a scripture to you, focusing on the future. I didn't mean, I don't mean to say, this is Philippians 3.12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. And Paul's saying it, but I echo his sentiments. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I have not achieved what? Perfection. But I focus on this one thing. I am forgetting the past. Somebody holler, forget the past. And looking forward to what? lies ahead. I press on. Somebody shout, I press on. 
I press on, forget the past, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Now, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for speaking to us in these next few minutes. We trust you now to speak clearly into our hearts. Make 2023 the best year of our entire lives for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. How many of you are trying to forget the past? Wave at me if you're trying to forget the past. I'm trying to forget the past. Me too. Can I tell you that trying to forget the past is not the best way to forget the past? Because the problem with trying to forget the past is you got to keep saying stuff. I mean, we got to forget the past. We got to forget the past. Now, by saying it over and over, all you're doing is what? Reminding yourself of the past. It's, it's, like, it's like me playing golf. One of my issues is keeping my head down. Because I want to look up and see where it's going. So, but before I get to the ball, I'm already up here looking. Uh, and so I'm here, but my head's up. So when I get over the ball, I tell myself, don't look up, don't look up, don't look up. By telling myself not to look up, what do I end up doing? Looking up. Bobby Brinson used to say, you look up to see a bad shot. That's exactly what I did. I look up, it's a bad shot. I've topped it, it's running along the ground. It ain't up in the air like it is on TV. So, so, so what do I do? do? Do I keep saying, don't look up, don't look up, don't look up? No, because don't look up, don't look up, don't look up simply reminds me of how I looked up last time and the time before and the time before. No, what I've decided to do is, and this works better, I haven't perfected it yet. So what I'm doing now is I find a spot on the ball. In other words, I start looking to the future. I find a spot on the ball and I focus my eyes there. And rather than tell myself, don't look up, I tell myself, focus on that. Because the thing that keeps me from focusing on the future, it, uh, on, keeps me from focusing on the past is by focusing on the future. So I don't forget the past by trying to forget the past. I forget the past by starting to focus on what God has ahead for my life. And so if all you do is, I'm trying to forget, I'm trying to forget, I'm trying to forget, you'll just remember. But you replace that with a new vision that then focuses on the future and what God has for your life. Are you hearing me? So that's an adjustment. Tap your neighbor and say, you got to adjust your thinking. So rather than I'm trying to forget the past, no. When Paul says, this one thing I do. I'm forgetting those things that are behind me, and I'm focusing on what's ahead. He is giving us a prescription for how to get out of the past. You get out of the past by developing a, a, a vision for the future. And as the vision for the future develops, you begin the past starts to lose its hold on your life. Are you hearing me? A friend of mine said to me when I first began talking about Succession. This was many years ago. I started talking about transition, and when the day would come where, where, uh, where I, would, uh, I would turn this church over, uh, uh, I, as I started thinking about it, he says, Jim said to me, I'll never forget these words. He said, Courtney, he said, start focusing on what you're entering into. He said, because the joy of what you're entering into will protect you from the fear of what you're leaving. Y'all didn't hear me, so I'm going to say it again. He said, get a vision for what you're going into. Because the vision for what you're going into will deliver you from being insecure about what you're leaving. You see, if all you have is what you're leaving, if all you have is that, then you'll never be able to move forward because you'll always be reaching back to what used to be because there's nothing forward to reach to. When they sat on Freedom's Eve, they didn't understand the future, but they had a vision that there must be a place for me that is beyond these chains, beyond this plantation, beyond this slave labor. There must be something ahead for me so I will focus on what's ahead so that I don't drift back to what's behind me are you hearing me and so it takes you and I to make certain decisions about where we're 
headed. So I'll give you three things this morning. I just want to get you started on this first day of the year. Number one, your ability to forget the past depends on how well you can describe the future. So my first question for you is, what is your vision for 2023? Ooh, see, and therein lies your problem. If you don't have a clear vision for 2023, you are doomed to repeat 2022. Did I shake you up just a little bit? Just, 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 just say yes, you shook me up when you said that. So if I don't have clear vision for 2023, then I'm doomed to repeat 2022 because where there is no vision, people perish. So far, so good. But then vision cannot be just what I want to achieve, what I want to accomplish, how much money I want to make. Yes, Lord, I got a vision. Or who I'm going to get. No, no, no. In God, vision starts with who you are, not with what you're trying to do. You are a human being, not a human doing. Now, for most of us, because men, men and women are petty, our first conversation with people, I was like, well, what do you do? Right? Well, what do you do for it? What do you do for it? What do you do? What do you do? Because we're all about the doing. But doing at its best flows out of being. So if I can focus on what I am becoming, then my doing will, will flourish out of me becoming. Because watch this. I can change what I'm doing, but if I don't change what I'm being, I'll go back to what I used to do. Boy, you better preach that. I, I can change what I'm doing, but if I don't change who I am, I'll eventually go back to what I used to do. Can I get a witness in the building of anybody who's ever seen themselves drift back to what they used to be because the doing changed, but the being didn't change. Oh, you was doing more exercises, but you were still addicted to carbs. So you did but what you were didn't change. Let's talk money. Oftentimes people say, yes, Lord, I'm going to make this amount of money. And thank you, Jesus. And when I make that amount of money, I'm going to die. Lord, if you bless me, I'll die. I just got to find out how many honest people in the building. How many of you discovered that your giving wasn't about how much you had? It was about who you are because you got more, but you didn't give any more because you didn't change as a result. As a matter of fact, the more you got, the bigger thief you became. You trying to call him a brother thief? No, Malachi 3, 9, and 10 does though. It says if you don't bring the tithes into the storehouse, you've robbed God. And for some of y'all, it's robbing season. You've been robbing him, and then you wonder why after you stick him up, you, you arm robbery with Jesus, you mug Jesus, and then want to know why Jesus ain't blessing you. This is not a money issue. This is a character issue. Are you hearing me? Because it's not about that little 10% he wants. That's the doing. It's about what I do with the 90% I have left. My problem usually is not in what I have. It's how I manage what I have. So y'all don't want to talk back to me because you feel like if you say it out loud, you'll be, you have to, uh, uh, you, you'll be committed to it. But you committed to it even if you don't say it, if you know it in your heart. you already committed to it. You see, it's, it's, it's who I am that makes all the difference in the world. And for us, specifically even as a people, we have to be conscious of the fact that oppression is real. But oppression cannot become our excuse for not succeeding. In 1792, 65 years before 
emancipation. John Chavis graduated with his degree from Washington and Lee University. Brother started out in Princeton, College of New Jersey then, became Princeton University, finished his degree at, uh, at it was Washington Academy then, now it's Washington, here in our great commonwealth, it's Washington and Lee University. I want to know, what's your excuse? If Chavis can do it when folk are still slaves, is your problem really the man? Or is your problem your internal decisions? As a matter of fact, even though oppression is real and we're going to fight it with everything in us, but for us as believers, I still say, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so there's a freedom that we have that we're not even walking in all of that yet. Are y'all looking at me funny? Let's talk about Mary Patterson. Graduated from Oberlin University, 1862, before the ink dried on the Emancipation Proclamation, this daughter of a slave stood up, the first African-American woman to get a Bachelor, a bachelor of Arts degree from Oberlin University in Oberlin, Ohio. I need you to tap your neighbor and say, what's your excuse? Can I ask you this question? Is some of what you're not doing just based on not making consistent decisions in your own heart? That's a, that's a question I want to ask you. I, am trying to, I ain't trying to throw you under the bus. I'm just trying to get you to think because here's what the devil does. The devil will post a number of excuses and the excuses keep you in bondage. But at some point when you say, I'm going to be the woman that defies all of the norms, that defies all the statistics, that defies all the numbers, that defies all the historical data, I'm that girl, I'm that woman. Y'all don't know me, but I'm that girl that ain't bound by what everybody else did or didn't do or even by my own genes and chromosomes. I'm that girl that rises above all that and accomplishes what God called me to do. I'm that boy, I'm the guy who says, you know what, even though nobody else is doing it, I'm going to do it because he, uh, uh, he that's begun a good work in me will complete that work until the day of Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. At some point, you got to put your foot on the devil's neck and tell him in Jesus' name, if they could do it fresh out of slavery, I can do it 200 years Later, I can do it. Because much of it is my personal decision. What is your vision for yourself? Who is it, sis, that you want to be? Who is it, bruh, that you want to be? Do you want to be a more committed sister? Do you want to be a more consistent brother? Do you want to be a more generous sister? Do you want to be a more prayerful brother? I want you to set those things up and start writing down, this is my vision for 20. 23, because I'd love to just pull you into the vision God has for you, but I can't. You have to do that by your own will. The second question I want to ask you is not only uh, uh, what is your vision, but I want to ask you this question now to think about. What are the actions you need to take in order for this vision to come to pass? I want you to write down at least one of those actions because God's already shown. I don't need to give you 12 because you already got two or three. Some of y'all got 10 or 15 that he told you that you haven't done yet. And so I want you to put down one or two things that he's told you already that you're going to have to, here's what you're going to have to do. This ain't what the preacher said. This is what you already know in your heart. Certain things you're going to have to do. Or maybe stop doing. Hmm. Hmm. And I'll leave that there. Third question about vision. Who are you going to need to help you succeed. Now I want to present to you that any vision that you have that does not require others is probably not from God. Because God has created us as a community of believers where we are connected to each other. We are, uh, we are not codependent, but we are not independent. We are interdependent, which means I bring what I have, you bring what you have, and together we can go further. So I'm not codependent. I mean, I'm not going to fall apart if you don't call me. Say amen. And, but I'm not independent either. I still need you. 
But I don't need you because of my deficit. I need you because I've chosen to need you. Because I recognize that that's the way Christianity was, was formed, that we need each other. And, and let me tell all of you American Christians that doing it your way by yourself is overrated. And it's usually a stroking of your own ego. They say, I didn't need nobody. Did nobody have to help me? I did this on my own. And it's probably a lot. Because somewhere in there, somebody helped you. The person that helped you may not be alive. It may have been the grandmother or the great-grandmother that didn't mind scrubbing other people's floors so you could take your happy self to college. So, so see, you, nobody gets here by themselves. Everybody is standing on somebody's shoulders. Y'all better talk back to me. Everybody is standing on somebody's shoulders. And that is why we said last night, sometimes the press for freedom is less about me and more about the generation that comes after me. Are you hearing me? Because my father, Herman McBath, didn't have all the freedoms that I had because he grew up in a segregated age. My grandfather, Samuel Warren McBath, had even less, but he turned his less into more because of his own hard work. His father, William Thomas uh, McBath, had even less freedom because his father, Samuel McBath, was born in 1840 in the midst of slavery and then was set free as a 23-year-old, got his freedom. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? He got his freedom at 23 years of age, and when he got his freedom, his determination must have been what I don't get to enjoy. I'm going to get my freedom so that one day in about 56 60, 80, 90 years, there'll be a boy born in 1959 that will be able to live out a level of freedom that I've never been able to live out, but I laid my life down so that he could have it. I need to know, is there anybody in the building that's not selfish that'll say, I will get my freedom so that I can secure freedom for the generations that come after me? Now, my time is up, y'all. I can't believe I'm out of time. This is this is, here's the problem with me being out of time. It's going to force you to have to come back to church again next week in order to hear the remainder of the message. But let me just give you this much more and, we'll, and then we'll try to close. So here's the idea. The vision, my ability to describe my future uh, is going to be the key in my success. So if you can't describe your future, if you haven't let God, if you haven't let God give you a sense of vision, then the future is going to be diff very difficult for you. Now, we talked about what actions are required. Who do you need to complete it? So let me, uh, let me take you just another step further. I said your ability to describe your future is a key to success. So let me give you thoughts for this week. Here's the first thought. Who are the voices in your ear? Look at your neighbor, so take some of the weight off you and just say, who are you listening to? <laughs> who are the voices that are in your ear? Who are the voices that are in your ear? Because if the voices that are in your ear, and I'm only hesitant because I want to say this, and not, I don't want to sound mean when I say it, because I don't, I don't do mean well. So I don't want to sound mean. If the voices in your ear are not in alignment with the vision in your heart, you're going to have to change the voices in your ear or decide you don't want the vision that's in your heart. But I'm going to tell you as an old man, you cannot have it both ways. You cannot have opposing voices in your ear. And when I say in your ear, I mean folks that speak into the intimate place of your life. I mean, we can't, so we can't stop everybody that's around us just because they don't line up with blah, blah, blah. But we can, we can stop them from being in the inner circle, in the intimate place in our lives where we share our vision and we share our dreams. And, and, uh, and they either share theirs or sometimes they don't have one. 
And the last thing you ever want to be is a woman with a dream with a bunch of friends that ain't got no dreams. The last thing you ever want to be is a man with a vision with friends who have zero vision. Because then the crab mentality that they taught us to keep us enslaved, it's still active in our lives today. So if you're surrounded by folk who have no vision, when they see you with one, they will pull you like a crab. They will reach up and grab you and pull you back down in the bucket because they're scared you're going to be the one that got away. So I need you tap three people and tell them you might need to change your bucket because you ain't going to change your crab so you might need to change your bucket you, you might need to get into a different bucket you might need some friends like us who want you to succeed who want you to go further who don't want you to end up in the same place who don't want you to fall into last year or last decades issues so I, I already kind of said this who are the voices in your ear and what are they saying to you what, what are those voices saying to you and one of the best ways to know what kind of voices you got is, what do they say to you when you mess up? Oh, girl, come on. Everybody cuss every now and then. Brush. Oh, come on, bro. Even Jesus would have hit him. Those are not the voices that I need. I got enough trouble with my own flesh and the enemy. The last thing I need is friends that reflect my flesh and the enemy. I need friends that are different than my flesh who will pull me and say, boy, don't ever try that again. You know that was off. We're going to pray and we're going to see God so you make better decisions next time. And see, when you get good friends, they won't say, you really messed up. Uh, you need to change. They'll say, come on, let's see. Let's pray together. They'll say, come on, what can we do to make things better? You want friends like that who then they align with God's vision for your life. You say, Bishop, you're talking to grown people. Why should you have to teach this? Because grown people have real issues with choosing friends. I don't necessarily get it, but it's real. I, I look at people and they tell me their vision. And I look at the people they surround themselves with. And I think, how's that working out for you? Because I don't think that's going to... Because you're going to pretty much be the sum total of the five closest people to you. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean everything. I mean relationally. I mean spiritually. I mean financially. Everything. Because we become like those that we associate ourselves with. And you don't, you, listen, you are not that anointed to be able to rise above that. You ain't got that much God in you to rise above that. Oh, I know God is real, but he ain't that real. You have to make decisions about the voices. And then, and then let me ask you one more question about that. How well do you know the Father's voice? Jesus said in John 10, 26, but you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Mm. Come on now. The worst thing you can do on January 1st of 2023 is, is, is lie to yourself and to God. Shakespeare was right when he said, to thine own self be true. And then thou canst not be false to any man. To thine own self. So be true to yourself. You don't need to tell me. I'm your pastor, not your priest. So you don't need to tell me. I don't even want to know. But you and God need to be honest about how well you hear the Father's voice. Or are you just guessing? Reading fortune cookies. Horoscopes. And whatever people say to you. And Instagram. Well, yeah, I got my word from the Lord today. I, I was on Facebook and Lord spoke to me. You might want to get off Facebook and get your face in the book. 
That's the, and that's, that's part of your problem is that social media sees you more than Jesus does. It's part of your issue. You can't spend the lion's share of your time posting and the minimal of your time in the Word. Are you hearing me? Because here's where it really comes down to you all, and I really am trying my best to quit, but there's some things I think you need to hear today. So I, can I finish this, y'all? Can y'all give me five minutes? Let me, let me finish this because I, I, I feel like the, that, that the Lord is, is setting some people free in here today. I feel like for some of you, last night was Freedom's Eve. Today is Freedom Day. And, and there are decisions that you are about to make that are going to change the destiny. No, the trajectory of your life and the lives of your children and grandchildren are about to change because of decisions that you are making today to say, God, freedom is more important important to me than pleasure I want freedom I want to be free I dare you to holler I want to be free come on somebody holler give us free see at some point being free has got to be first in your life so here's what it came down to you all it came down to hearing the voice of God but then making the voice of God the priority in life for me as a 17-year-old, because the voice of God was my priority, I left home at 17 and moved to Massachusetts to go to school to the only college that I applied to because God said, this is where I want you to be. And because I heard the voice of God and the voice of God spoke to me, I went to get a degree, but God is so good, I went to get a degree and got a wife. Now, I did get the degree too, thank you, Jesus. But if I had to choose between them, I ain't got to tell you which one I would have chosen. If it was either or, give me the wife. I'll work on the degree when I get back to Tennessee. But the Lord gave me both because I heard the voice of the Lord. And so I got the degree. I got my wife. And out of that came my children. So everything that matters to me is a result of me making the voice of God my priority. And let me stop you before you clap. Let me also say that every time I've ever failed, it was because I allowed my own thinking, my own pleasure, and my own ideas to be lifted up above the voice of God at that very moment. So I ain't get it right every time. That was one of those times I did. But it happened because the voice of God was my priority, not my breakthrough, not my next blessing, not my next raise, not my next promotion. No, 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 no. But God, I want to do what you want me to do because I figured you out, God. If I stay where you want me, I won't have to ask for blessings. Blessings will chase me. Your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. It's running after me. I'm not blessed because I'm begging for blessing. I'm blessed because I'm in the will of God. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm trying to pull you out of a secular, humanistic, worldly idea that is in the church that says all God cares about is blessing you. No, all God cares about is getting you in the center of his will because your greatest blessing are at the center of the will of God. So how do you make the voice of God your priority? Number one, you make the word of God your highest priority. And so if you don't do anything else, you got your face in the book. You're in the word. You're reading the word. And you got to, as a Christian, you need to figure out you, who, what kind of Christians you're going to be around. Because the Christians you're going to be around going to determine what kind of Christian you're going to be. So I pick my friends carefully. Pastor David is not just my campus pastor, but he's also my friend. We were talking to, uh, uh, the other day, and he said so casually, oh, Dad, you know, I, I, read, I read through the Bible four times last year. And I thought, dear Jesus, save me, please. Lord, I need to get saved. I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer right now. But that's what I want. I don't want friends that's just living on the daily crumb, I mean the daily bread. Reading half a verse a day, 
and spending 30 seconds in the word and three hours on social media. I don't want friends like that because they'll never hear the voice of God and I won't either. I want friends that are in his word because that's why I'll hear the voice of God and then I might actually have something to post that can bless somebody because I heard from God instead of hearing from people and y'all ain't gonna talk to me now. And so I made the, you make the word of God your highest priority. Then there's two other things that are extremely important that you got to do. And we'll talk about those next Sunday, Lord willing. Come on, stand with me. I thought I was playing. I'm really not. I got, I'm stopping right here. Make the study of his word your priority. If you'll start there, everybody in the building, whether you're a new convert, you get a reading plan. And there are all kinds of reading plans. There are reading plans on our app where you can read the word. There are other reading plans that the pastors and I will talk to you about. But you start in the word. It's going to take more than just a tearful moment at the altar. It's going to take more than just a shout and speaking in tongues. All those things are great. We want you to do all those things too. But we just don't want you to be disappointed when you do those things. And then a successful vision is not your end. Then you find yourself saying, I tried all that stuff and it didn't work for me. No, I don't think you did. Because you see, God's faithful to his word. Matter of fact, when you say, I tried all that and God didn't make me successful, part of the challenge might be you might have to reassess and redefine what is success. Because for me, success is pleasing God. That's what success is. It's not numbers. It's not how big a church I lead or how many people know me or any of those things. Those things are irrelevant. But God, I want to please you. And if I have all those other things, but you're not pleased, that's not success for me. I want to please you. So I'm wondering if 2023 can be a different year for you. A year where you go right into this time of prayer and fasting with a heart that says, God, this year's going to be different for me because I'm going to set my focus on hearing your I'm not talking about weird and spooky stuff. I'm not talking about you hearing a bunch of voices every night. You just might need to take your meds. No, I'm talking about a clear understanding that when you read God's word, he directs you in your steps. I'm talking about men and women that are faithful in coming to church, faithful in serving in ministry, faithful in giving. Faithful in living a lifestyle that pleases Jesus, and when it doesn't, they're quick to ask Jesus for forgiveness and then do better. That's what I'm talking about, church. Nothing spooky. Hearing the voice of the Lord is not spooky stuff. The spooky people usually miss it. But it's the simple stuff. You'll seldom hear me say, I heard God say, because God doesn't speak to me normally in audible voices. God normally speaks to me through his word, or through an impression that he makes on my heart, or through somebody else who may share something, and usually they don't come and say, I got a word from you. They're just talking, and out of some part of the conversation, the Lord speaks to me. It ain't spooky at all. And all I found I got to do is just stay connected. If I just stay connected with him and make his word a priority and get my relationships in order where the people who are around me are hearing from God and praying and all that, then it changes my life. It'll change yours. So today, here's what I'll ask you. Would you make your way to this altar as a commitment for pursuing God's vision for your life like never before? If you're in the building and that's your heart, would you come and we'll pray together? I'll join you here at the altar because it's my heart too. So I'm praying, but I'm included in the prayer too because I'm making the same decision that you're making. And then our, after I pray for us in our our campus pastors will come and wish you a happy new year and share any last words that they have today. Now, Father, thank you for my sisters and all my brothers that are at this altar.
and those online who are praying with us right now. We're making a decision. This year's going to be different. No more getting up on Sunday and thinking about whether I'm coming to church or not. Going to church is a given. No more waking up in the morning and trying to find time to pray or find time to read scripture. We're going to make time to pray and read scripture. No more excuse of, well, I don't really know how to pray. I don't know how to read. We're going to do like we do everything else. We're going to find out how so we can, we can do it. No more, Lord, having a vision that aligns with your word and then surrounding ourselves with people who are operating in opposition to your word. Those days for us come to an end. We sit here on Freedom Day, 160 years after the emancipation of the first 2.5 million slaves. We sit here declaring this is our day of freedom. Because we recognize that civil and social and political freedom has its place. But spiritual freedom is where it's at. If you can free us in our spirit, then the rest of us can find a place of liberty. If we can be free in our hearts, then our minds and our bodies will find freedom. But we know, Lord, that with you, it all starts in the heart. So we come in agreement now and commit ourselves. 2023 is our year of freedom. It's our year of purpose. It's our year of connecting to you, to others, to your will, to lost people who desperately need you. Come on, lift those hands wherever you are and just worship God for a moment. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and we have some tools to help you on your journey. Just text Jesus to 48074. To find out more about Calvary Revival Church, text GUEST to 48074. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make a difference.